Yeah. Let's just pray for Chris, actually, as he shares the word. Thank you, Father God, for being with us here right now, Lord Jesus, with all the saints actually that are here today. Mm. We thank you, Father, that Chris's word, Lord, just stirs our hearts, Lord, for you, because it will be the word of God. Yes, and we thank you, Holy Spirit, just work for us, Lord, and just change us different, Lord, and better and more aligned to your word, Father. And we thank you. We thank you for Chris, Lord, and we thank you for Chris being used by you, Jesus, actually, just to share this word for us today and this morning. As we all pray in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, good to see you all. Are you, are you all ready to have your feathers ruffled? Yeah, yeah good, okay, because this, this might ruffle some feathers. Um, so I've, I've called today's uh, sermon, Jesus' Return by 2040, question mark. Now, I'm not one of those guys that go around, you know, Jesus will be back next week because the Bible says no one knows the day or the hour. But we do know some seasons of, uh, of, of which we're in at this moment in time. And there's some really important biblical prophet, prophetic signs that are being fulfilled right now that points to Jesus' return very soon. And I'll tell you why I got that date from and where it came from in a minute. Um, so if you turn with me in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. So 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. <clears throat> And it says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment or of sound mind and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Now, obviously, this, this passage was written 2000 years ago, and he thought back then that the end was imminent. OK, but there's something theologically need to understand is that when Jesus died and rose again and went to heaven, that's known now technically as the end of the age. So you have different periods or epochs of time. Obviously, you have the time in the ancient world, and then you have the time when the Torah, the law was given, and Israel becoming a nation. And then you have the time when Jesus was around, and then you have the time which we're in now, which some would call the church age, which is this last period of time. So this is known as the last of the last of the end of time, so to speak. And you'll see this in Paul when you read throughout the, his letters, you know, he's like says we're living in end of days. And that's because that's very much the theme. Now in the early, early church, uh, from around about AD fifty to about AD one hundred and ninety odd, they all believed that the return of Jesus was imminent. By the time about AD three hundred they were kind of relaxed a little like, yeah, I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. Uh, but then there are certain key things um, that are really important for us to be aware of, to know where we're at with the roadmap to God's plan for the end of days. Now, I've got a Bible at home. It's called the Millennium Bible, and it was written in 1926. OK, wow, what's so great about that? Well, what's special about the Millennium Bible is it's a commentary written by various different people that are looking at every single verse in the Bible referring to end time uh, sort of prophecies, etc. And they all say the same thing that the only way that these prophecies can come to pass is that Israel must become a nation again. Okay, So at the time when they wrote that, Israel was not a nation. So as we all know, in May the 14th, 1948, Israel became a nation again. Now from that moment onwards, it's like the prophetic clock was switched on and the hours started counting down. Okay, And so that's been going now. Israel's been, what, 76 years now as a state? I don't quite know if my maths is not that great. But yeah, Israel's been going for a long time. Now, Unfortunately, in the church today, there, there are two types of schools of thought. There's 
pre-millennial, just, just bear with me for a minute, okay? And then there's amillennial. What on earth is that? So pre-millennial is the Christians that believe that we're in an age right now where G we're still waiting for Jesus to return. And when he returns, he will usher in a thousand year reign of peace upon the earth. And at the end of that reign, then there's a new heaven and a new earth made. Well, but the amillennial approach, which is basically 95% of Christians in the UK are amillennial. What does that mean? They believe that, that we are in the millennial reign of Christ now, spiritually speaking, and so that this is the golden age of the church and that the church is to flourish and expand all over the world so that they can usher in the return of Christ, okay? So I can kind of see where they come from that on that. But what amillennial, amillennialism does is it discounts all biblical prophecy. Okay, and so the problem that you've got is that one third of your Old Testament in respect to prophecy has not yet been fulfilled. Okay, one third of it. So for all those Christians who go, oh, I don't really read my Old Testament because that's Old Testament, it's old hats, old, it's all been done away with. It's a load of baloney. Uh, it's actually a third of it is still yet to be fulfilled. And it pivots around one place. It's all in the Middle East. That's where it's all going to kick off. That's where it's all going to end. That's where Jesus returns to. He's not coming back to Milan. He's not coming to London. He's not coming to New York. When Jesus comes back, he's coming back to Israel. Amen. And he's going to be the Jewish Messiah that's going to rule and reign over the nations. So we know that Israel is obviously a clear indicator that we're living in the end of end of times. But is there something that is around today that really lets us know we are in the end of days. Well, there's one big clear indicator, and this is in Revelation chapter 16. Now, let me explain a bit about the book of Revelation. Is from chapter 4 pretty much through to the end, it's really focusing on a seven-year period of time. Although someone would say maybe a later from later chapters, it refers to a seven-year period. But let's just say generically, from chapter 4 onward to the end, it's a seven-year period of chunk of history that we're looking at, but it's set in the Middle East. Um, and so towards the end of the seven years, when God's pouring out his judgments upon the earth, we come to this really interesting passage here. This is uh, chapter 16, verses 12 to 16. And it says, The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way would be prepared for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophets. This is the anti Satan, the Antichrist and the, and the miracle worker. Three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God Almighty. So, uh, yeah, Karen, uh, behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one. Listen to this. Blessed is the one who stays awake. And keeps his clothes so that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place which in Hebrew is called Ha-Megedon. Or as we call it, Armageddon, or the plains of Megiddo, which is in a place in Israel where all the nations will conspire. Okay, So when, when the Euphrates River dries up, okay, then all the nations, the Middle Eastern nations, will use that as a causeway to come across and to wage war against Israel. It is what will be known as the Gog-Magog War or the Battle of Armageddon, depending how you want to see it. There's two Gog-Magog Wars. There's one at this point in history and then one at the end of the millennial reign as well. So the Battle of Armageddon. You go, okay, great. So, so how is this a sign for us today, Chris? What's the river Euphrates got to do with anything? The reason being is because the Iraqi um, uh, Ministry of Water has said that the Euphrates River will be completely dried up by 2040. That's 16 years away. All right, if my maths is correct. Is that right? 
16 years, yeah, 16 years away, okay? Now, the tribulation period is a seven-year period, and, and that's kind of broken into two halves, the, pit, the tribulation and the great tribulation, so three and a half years and another three and a half years. That's the time, times, and half a time that you'll see in Daniel and Revelation, okay? And so this happens probably towards the end of that seven-year period. Let's say year six, 6.5 years in, okay? That therefore means that you've got, in 10 years' time, the tribulation could be beginning. Ten years. Now you could be saying, well, Chris, you know, you're kind of like all pinning this on the River Euphrates, and that's why I've called Jesus' return by 2040. I'm not saying it, it will definitely happen then. No one can know. No one knows the day they are. But I'm saying that if, if the weather is as it is and it doesn't get any worse, then the Euphrates River will be dried up conservatively as late as 2040. It could be earlier. Now this means, if that's true, and that is fulfilling biblical prophecy, then that means the Antichrist himself is living and alive right now and will be revealed probably within the next 10 years. Now, you have to look at where we are at in history. I personally believe, um, from what I believe God showed me, is, and that doesn't mean anything, you have to weigh and test all prophecy, is that this year we're going to see the collapse of our political system. I believe next year you're going to see the collapse of our financial system. And, and over these next few years, you're going to see the collapse of institutionalized church in this nation because of those other things that are happening. And so, and this won't be just uh, to Britain, this will be across the whole world. And you think, okay, if the world goes down the pan like that, and we've got World War Three that's looming literally at the door now, let's, I know this is not nice to hear this, and I don't want to say it, and you don't want to hear it, right? Who wants to hear this on a Sunday morning? He's like, tell me something nice, don't give me this. I don't want no doom and gloom. But the fact is, is that we are in, living in various serious times and things are rocking, knocking on our door. Now, some Christians go, well, Chris, you know, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm going to go to a nice church down the road where they don't preach this crazy stuff. OK, I just want to I just like, la, 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 la. I want to go move to a different church. But that's good. And well, you'll get away with that for maybe two or three years tops, I think. And then then it's going to come not knocking on your but kicking down the doors. So the, 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 the right mentality would be let's deal with this now and don't be scared. But be prepared. Yeah, don't be scared, but be prepared. So I want to talk to you about some other stuff that's going on right now. And just before I do this, I'm a bit all over the place. Again, for those that know, I, I tend to move a lot in the prophetic. And, and 20 years ago, God gave me this dream. And in this dream, I saw the Antichrist. And he was sat at the United Nations on this table. And there were seven other people around him. So he was eight and he was in the middle. And these other seven people were around him. And he was known as the man of peace. But I was getting a, a fly on the wall perspective of what actually was going on here. He was a man of war. He was causing all the problems in the world and all the wars that were going out. But to the rest of the world that didn't know this, he was this man of peace. He was this Messiah type guy that was, hey, I've got the answer to all the world's problems, to the economic mess that we're in, to the world wars and stuff that we're in. He's, he will be like, I am the man for the hour. But actually behind the scenes, he was the one pulling the strings and making everything go as bad as it was. And then the camera panned around this dream and I saw this huge big statue made of bronze, these big teeth and these big claws. And the Antichrist was going to use this to thresh the nations. And I remember feeling great dread and terror as I looked at this thing. And then the camera panned again. Now, this is what is a bit freaky for me, is that there was Christians were being hunted down by technology that at that time didn't exist. And it was like little tiny cameras on these little machines with propellers flying around trying to hunt down Christians. Well, that's now everyday technology. I had that vision 20 years ago. And I was like, I, I was actually so shocked by it, thinking this is insane. And I taped it to a back of a mirror and left it there for like 10 years, hoping that no, you know, I'll just forget about it. But we're living in those days now. 
I also had another one, another interesting dream several years back where I was walking down the south coast and I saw uh, Leviathan, which is like a, a simile for the beast, for the, for the, for the, for the devil. And he was, it was like this giant whale, but he was moving at supersonic speed up and down the channel, up and down the channel. And he was trying to get onto the UK, but something was restraining him. He couldn't go on. And then as, I, as, as this, again, the camera panned around, I saw the book of Revelation opened on the beach. And there, hovering in 3D letters, spinning around over the top of the Bible, was the Lisbon Treaty, the words Lisbon Treaty. And then the Holy Spirit shot overhead and he shouted at me, saying, you're so close to the end of days, you need to wake up. And with that, I woke up. And so since that time, God's been kind of waking me up a little bit to what's going on around here. Now, I know this stuff, it, it's not nice, it's not convenient to talk about these things, but I'm becoming more and more convinced as I'm looking around the world and things that are going on, that we are slowly winding up to the very end of days. That, you know, we could see Jesus' return in the next maybe 16 to 20 years, maybe even sooner. That's quite, that's quite shocking. So let's have a look at, is there anything else that's going on in the world right now that we should be paying attention to? Now, I find that, again, most Christians are not aware of this stuff. Indeed, most Christians are, are scoffers of this stuff. A lot of Christians, they just laugh this stuff off. Oh, the fact that Israel's a nation again is just purely coincidental. It's got nothing to do with God. It's got nothing to do with Scripture. It's a complete coincidence. Well, there's other stuff. If I turn to uh, Luke 21. Luke 21. Often most people go to Matthew 24, but actually Luke 21, I find, has got some extra nuances that are often overlooked. And it says this, so we're talking about the end of days. There will be signs in the, sun, in the sun and moon and stars and on the earth, dismay among nations, in perplexity at the roaring of the seas and the waves, men fainting from fear and expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. In other words, things that are going on in the sky, things that are going on on the earth, freaky weather, things going on with our seas, etc. Now, this is the scary thing, church, is that most Christians are caught up in the narrative of the world, which is environmentalism. And so what environmentalism says, well, actually, it's because we're all driving around with cars with diesel or petrol is the reason why the world's going down, down the pan, etc. Okay. Now, the reason why the world is going down the pan in respect to its weather may have, may, we may be contributing in various different ways. But it, the Bible says these things are the birth pangs and signs of the end of the age to mankind to wake up. But the church isn't waking up because the church is more interested in environmentalism, thinking buying yourself a nice battery powered car is the secret to doing away with CO2 emissions, etc. And maybe if we stop cows farting uh, more so we could just not eat so much meat, maybe we can lower the CO2 emissions whilst the aircraft in the sky get more and more, uh, you know, uh, more and more of them flying around the sky. There's, it's quite clear that these people are really not that intense. Uh, that serious about dealing with climate change because if they were serious about climate change the aircraft wouldn't be in the sky amongst the other a, a myriad of other things and this is what scares me is the church is caught up in this they're they're into environmentalism i, I must i must you know go into all the world and recycle now, jesus said go into all the world and make disciples not recycle you know i must i must recycle i must i must do my bit to save the world the world is doomed it's going to come to an end, and when Jesus comes back, he's going to make it nice and pretty again. That's not to say you go around driving a car, chuck it out black smoke everywhere, and be irresponsible. But I am saying 
Don't get caught up in the narrative of the day, which is blinding you to the signs of the times. All right, there's stuff going on right now, and Christians can't see the wood for the trees. All right, so weather phenomena is getting worse. We can see that every year. You know, it's just getting crazy out there. But what about this? In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, Joel 2, 1, Isaiah 58, 1, Matthew 24, 31, Revelation 11, 15, etc., 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 it talks about trumpet blasts from the sky. All right? Now, I don't know if you know this, but you know what? But when it says trumpet blast, it's not talking about those nice shiny trumpets that we have. It's not one of those. It's a ram's horn, okay? It's like a big shofar. And when it blows, it's like a that kind of sound. I don't know if you know this, but there's that sound is going on all around the world. People are reporting it all over the place. And it's been going on for 10 years. And it's freaking people out. It literally sounds like a giant shofar blasting from the sky. It was even caught on mainstream TV, at, um, some, uh, what do they call it in America? What's that thing they, you know, with the bat and they like knock the ball out? What's it called? Baseball. Yeah, baseball. Okay. It's caught on a live baseball round. Everyone stopped. Everyone, thousands of people looking to the sky wondering what that noise is. And even the commentators say, what is that noise? Okay, a sound of a giant trumpet. This is, a, this is, an, this is an end time wake up call. Hello, God is making sounds in the heavens and no one's listening. Okay, we've got all around the world, we've got blood red lakes, uh, blood red rivers, even blood red seas mysteriously appearing literally overnight. Okay, and scientists say, oh, it's uh, red algae. But they never talk anything anymore about it, red algae. Well, what exactly is that red algae? Well, we don't want to talk about it. Because that, that red algae will turn an ocean or turn these massive areas of water red overnight. And as quickly as it's come, it will disappear again. This is a sign of the times and God is speaking. I remember it being on TV and a Christian was asked, do you think this is a, a sign of the end of the world? And he just laughed. But no. There are more Jews getting saved now than in any other time in history. Romans eleven twenty six says, at the fullness of the time of the Gentiles, then all Israel will be saved. Now that's a very specific prophecy to the very end of days, but actually the fact even now at our point in history, there are more Jews coming to know Jesus as their Messiah than in any other time in living history. Okay, that's a sign of the times. There are lots of weird stuff going on in the skies at the moment. You can just watch it on YouTube. There's some crazy stuff that's being filmed that's going on in our skies that no one can explain. Second Peter 3.3 3 talks about at the end of the age, there will be scoffers pertaining to the end of time. And it reminds me of a story in Genesis 19 where uh, Lot knows that destruction is coming to Sodom and Gomorrah. So he tells his sons-in-law, he says, hey, guys, you need to get out of here because God's about to judge it. And they laughed as he seemed as one who was only joking. That's the church today. Do you know what? There are more unbelievers that are coming to Christ because they are seeing the things that are going on in the world in a Bible. And they're like, this is the end of days while the church is completely speak no evil, see no evil, hear no evil. Another one, it's quite scary, really, is that there are inexplicable um, mass die offs of animals for no apparent reason. We're not talking like a couple. We're talking like thousands, even tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands, just in one air, bang, dead. Birds falling out of the sky, bang, dead. Um, fish in rivers and lakes and seas all around the world, even in Britain. Uh, we had crabs and stuff a couple of years back where they just suddenly, one day, they all just turn up, just absolutely hundreds of thousands of them just dead floating in the waters. Is this a sign? Well, it says in Hosea 4, verses 1, two, four, listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel, for the Lord has a case 
against the inhabitants of the land because there's no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. And that's not true today. I don't know where it is. There is swearing, deception, murder, stealing and adultery. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns and everyone who lives in it languishes along with the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky and also the fish of the sea will disappear. You know, we are living in days where we're literally starting to see this stuff come about now. In Matthew 24, let's quickly turn to it and I'll just focus on this for the rest of my talk. See, this is really important. Matthew 24 is really about everything pertaining to the end times, as, as does chapter 25. Um, I'm just going to read from verses 42 to 50. All right. Bear in mind that this is the one thing that most Christians are not. Okay. Therefore, be on the alert. Oh, nothing's happening. We're all good. Everything's fine. I know all this crazy stuff's going on. I know it looks like it's fulfilling biblical prophecy, but never mind. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. In other words, don't become complacent. Stay awake. Stay alert. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time, begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour which he does not know. I'm seeing leaders of churches in this hour, which I'll call the servants of the household, because the household, I believe, represents the people of God, actually doing terrible things to the flock by keeping them blind, keeping them deceived, not thinking that Jesus is coming back soon, getting involved in environmentalism, in liberalism, and, and all these different things that are going on around the world. Just, just think that's the bandwagon, that's the thing, that's social justice, not realizing that they're in the end of days, not realizing that Jesus is, is returning soon. It's more soon than I think we, than we really want to think about it. And I, I, like I said, I don't want to say this stuff just to annoy you or provoke you. I mean, I don't want to say these kind of things because I'm, I'm always known as the fringe guy. Right? I'm the crazy guy at the, edge, at, uh, you know, at the edge and the outer rim of stuff. But the fact is, is more and more people are waking up to what's going on around the world. And the church isn't. And I believe part of the clarion call that I've got is to help wake up the church. So the question is, are we ready? And if not, what are we going to do about it? Because I'll tell you something now. When you try and preach the gospel, right, nobody wants to get saved. No one's interested, okay? Do you want to know why? Because you're not contextualizing the gospel. Why should they care? You talk to them about sin all the time. They don't care. They, they, they've got this thing written on their chest saying, sinners. It's written on the tin. That's what they do. They like it. They enjoy it. Let, leave me be, Christians. I want to sin. Can't you see what's on me? Okay, I'm a sinner. So, but so you have to contextualize the gospel. They're banging them on the head saying, you're a sinner. But if you start saying to them, hey, do you know there's stuff going on in our world right now that's fulfilling biblical prophecy? That means Jesus' return is imminent. And this is why you need to hear the gospel. And this is why you need to respond. Well, that's a whole nother bag of tricks. Because now you're contextualizing the gospel to things that they can see, they can hear, and that they know. And suddenly it becomes relevant to where they're at. And that gospel is more powerful because it has a context. 
whereas before it didn't have a context, even though the gospel always is contextually the heart of God. But nevertheless, people don't understand that. And so as Christians, I think part of the opportunity we've got now is to really start waking up to the signs of the times and become more adamant in our evangelism. And if there was ever a time that people need to come to know Christ now, because the times are going to get pretty hairy. You're going to see things over the next few years that are going to be very hairy. And that's just going to lead to the crisis that the world needs to cause the Antichrist, I believe, to rise up, to get to the center stage, to do what he needs to do, so that can begin that last seven-year period of time, and then Jesus will return. You know, And if Jesus is coming back soon, and you don't know him, then you won't be able to enter into that rest. You won't be able to enter into that paradise. You know, I, 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 you know, I went to America recently, and one of the girls that was on this film um, that I'm involved with, she, she was sent to hell. That was part of her testimony. She was in a tattoo parlor one day getting a butt tattooed, I think, and she was like, had something that was quite anti-God, and she was quite arrogant and happy, the fact that God's not real and God's dead and all this kind of stuff, and then bang, she was immediately thrown at full force into this huge big chasm, and she hit the floor at full force, like, like a thousand miles an hour, bang. And then she was stuck in hell. And then she saw her whole life being replayed over and over and over with no hope of ever getting out. And it just got worse and worse and the terror and the horror and the fear. But she knew that everything that was happening down there, she deserved every single bit of it. And she knew that justice was just and that she deserved it. She didn't for one minute think, why am I here? This isn't right. I, God, give, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. She knew exactly why she was there. She said it was the most horrendous, horrific experience of her life. And when she came out of that, she said if God didn't fudge, fuzzy out the memories, she would be living in Greek, you know, a great deal of trauma to this day. That gave her a complete, that just turned her life around. It gave her a whole other impetus to life. She's like a feisty, fiery evangelist because she knows that if you don't believe in Christ, that's your future. And that's why God sent Jesus. For God so loved the world, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. That's what God wants. Yeah, but God is a just God, and he's a holy God. And therefore, if you don't want to choose life with him, you will choose life completely without him. And if that's what you want, then that's what you'll get. Because hell is devoid of life. It's devoid of air. It's devoid of everything and any hope of any light of anything that's to do with life and God and love and all that. It is utterly the opposite and devoid of it. God doesn't want you to go there. And more so in these end times that we're coming into, there's no time to play around anymore. There's no time to put it off to tomorrow. Oh, I'll get around to it next week. I'll get around to it here because time is running out quick. That clock is ticking down real fast now. We're fast moving to the end of days. So that should give us an impetus. You know, I don't care whether you're, because some Christians just get a bit technical here. Some people believe in a pre-trib rapture, mid-trib rapture, post-trib rapture. Okay, it doesn't matter where you sit in those camps. What thing does annoy me is those some people in the pre-trib camps say, "Well, Jesus, get me out of here quick," and they're just waiting for Jesus to get them out of there, but they don't do anything. It's like if you knew that Jesus was coming back soon, then your impetus should be, we need to tell people about Jesus. It would be the loving and right thing to do. But contextualize that gospel, though. Tell them there's a reason why you need Jesus. And the reason why you need it now is because we are living at the end of days. And this is why dot, dot, dot. So what are we going to do about it? First thing we need to do is deal with the junk in our lives. Amen. You can't keep going around with baggage. 
We're coming into times where, you know, everybody in this room you, and everyone watching this, you know that you've got issues. You know that you've got baggage or unforgiveness or, or hurt and pain. Now's the time to deal with it because you and I need to be strong for those that are going to be wanting the answers. We need to get our act together. We need to be a people that are holy, can't be watching porn, can't be taking drugs, can't be having sex outside of marriage, can't be doing the things that the world does. We need a call to holiness in these days. Amen. We need to be a people that are getting into the word more. Know your eschatology. Please do me a favor. Don't watch a YouTube video, two hour YouTube video on, on the book of Revelation and think you're an expert. Please, just for the love of God, don't do it. OK, take the time. Read the book yourself. But don't just read the book of Revelation. Because the book of Revelation is the capstone of the pyramid, so to speak. The rest of the pyramid is Old Testament prophetic literature. And so all, all, all the book of Revelation is a little, boop, little, top, little bit goes on top, which kind of just helps contextualize it and give it some kind of sense of order and flow. But if you don't know Old Testament prophecy, you're not really going to understand the book of Revelation. And yes, you may have watched a great two-hour YouTube video that gives you the right answers to a certain degree, but also you'll get a lot of fluff and nonsense chucked in there as well that you're not aware of. So get into the word more, pray more. This is a time where we really need to start taking serious. You know, that, that passage I read at the beginning said, you know, if we're knowing that we're in the end of days, be sober-minded and pray. Yeah, be sober-minded. These are times to get serious. These are times to take this message seriously and what we're going to do about it. Be a part of the body, not separate. Now I speak to those people who are watching this, and especially, and no disrespect, especially to those in America, I, I know that there's a lot of you out there that it's just you, yourself, um, your gun, and, and Jesus, and, and YouTube. But actually in the days that we're coming into, you need to be in a community of believers. And, and, and if you can't find a church, that, that's, that's a, a church that is awake, then at least find like-minded believers and, and even have like weekly Zoom calls, whatever it is, but you've got to be in community. You've got to have other people there with you. Because if what we're coming into, you just can't do this by yourself. We need each other. We'll need one another. Also, as a church, we need to be more involved in corporate prayer as well. It's important that the body prays together and prays for this nation. Now, although this nation's going down the pan, there's not a lot we can do to stop that. Nevertheless, we can mitigate the misery by, let, by praying for God's mercy and that God would bring revival to our nation. Now, for those, some people are like, well, no, I don't believe uh, revival is possible because that's not in the Bible. It'll only be a great apostasy. Well, you can have apostasy and revival at the same time. Where is that in the Bible? You don't even need to see it in the Bible. The fact is in Joel 2, but we won't go there right now. But I can just look around at the world. Here in the West, the church is apostate, but the church in the East, they're in revival. You've got revival and apostasy at the same time. Go figure. It's not just one or the other. Okay. So we are living in days where we want to see corporately praying for this nation. And also, finally, to be a people that really starts preaching the gospel again to all nations and to all people. 